0: Welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 28, Up Close and Personal with Bootloaders, recorded November 27th, 2011, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com, episode 28. We've done this 27 times before, and you haven't thrown us off the air yet, so thanks for that. Thank you, Interweb. My name is Mark, and with me, as always, actually, it's not as always, but as time permits. Most of the time. (laughs) is mr aaron butler known as the former fat guy hey aaron
1: hello everyone out there this is the guy who attempted to hijack the intro of the show but will not make it to the recording
0: that's right well, I, <laughs> didn't, I didn't even record it so it wasn't See, that's why i said it won't yeah. make it <laughs> and mr seth anderson the gooey kid hello seth
2: hello everyone and holiday greetings from the gooey kid
0: who can now be found at com. right
2: awesome Correct. There's not much there yet, but I'm going to use it as kind of like a projects and teach myself stuff page.
0: I think you should do tips on how to get the best Skype throughput, because you always sound so awesome on the show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dripping with sarcasm.
0: <laughs> and that voice is the voice of Mr. Chris Neves, our command line godfather. Hey, Chris, how's it going?
3: Oh, it's going great, guys. I hope everyone ate themselves into food comas.
0: Uh, Pretty darn close, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs>
3: There's that turkey sound again.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about that. How was your Thanksgiving weekend? we were coming to the end of it Sunday night after Thanksgiving. Uh, did anybody do anything remarkable during your time off?
1: I had 25 people at my house for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, that's five less than you were expecting, right? Yes. One family had wasn't able to make it. One part of the family, one cousin, wife, and children were not able to make it. But being in Georgia, the weather was, Chris, you probably don't want to hear this, it was 68 degrees and sunny. We actually had to move the table into the shade because we were getting hot outside. Uh, Bite me. So, so we, uh, we, uh, we actually almost everybody spent the majority of the day outside, um, except for a couple of the the older statesmen of the family. Kids were playing in the yard, you know. We almost got the sprinkler out for them. For the, <laughs> it was almost <laughs> to that point. It was great. They had a good time. We had, we had 25 people there and enough food for 75.
3: Not cool, Aaron. <laughs>
1: At at our house,
0: we had, uh, I think, nine people and enough food for seventy five.
1: <laughs> I mean, literally, there were a lot of it people was, and a lot of food. It was food. We our entire dining room was a buffet. We had smoked turkey, baked turkey, ham. I mean, I, we talked about this the other day, Mark. You and I did. I think, I four or five different casseroles, five or six different desserts. You know, salad, pastas, vegetable dishes. I mean, it was it was just crazy. I gained eight pounds reading your description of it that you put yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> Well, I went to that day, and I just said, you know what? This day does not exist. This day does not <laughs> get marked down anywhere. It will not be recorded. In no any food manner. diaries on Thanksgiving Day. No food diary today. It's just I still managed to. I actually, compared to what I used to do to myself, I used to literally on Thanksgiving Day eat until I was sick. Right. Because there was so much food, and it was so good, and I wanted to eat everything. I would eat until I was literally like, I cannot chew another bite. <laughs> and I didn't do that this time. I paced myself. You know, I had. Two big helping platefuls and a couple desserts, and and then went back for thirds later. But, you know, I didn't have, actually have dinner that day. So. Right. Well, so
2: you, you know, to- I ate as much as I could, but I found I could not eat near as much as last year. So my uh, reduced portions have paid off. It does not take
3: as much to make sick.
1: <laughs> it's reduced bandwidth as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I had to laugh at my little brothers this year. Again, they're with the sugar coma again. Two of us have uh, – two of them had actually passed out because of sugar overdose.
0: <laughs> like literally unconscious?
3: Yeah, I have pictures of them. You know, one was – the first day was at my aunt, my aunt and uncle's. We were up there for dinner, and about, oh, 30 minutes after he ate all of his sugary pies and, and stuff like that, he was curled up on the floor with a Miami Dolphins football for a pillow, and I have pictures of it. So that's, that was great. And then did last you get out your magic or,
0: marker and draw on his face?
3: No, I forgot the magic marker, oh. but I did bring the camera and have I think six pictures of it going up on Facebook. So it was great. Um, and then the next night we were over at my father's for his Thanksgiving because he wasn't in for Thanksgiving, and my other brother fell asleep during that time. So uh, got more pictures of him sleeping in a big rubber raft, which was quite comical. That was quite comical.
1: Do your brothers wear pants, Chris? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, this time they were wearing pants.
1: All right. to double check.
0: Okay. Well, how about uh, the uh, the great post-Thanksgiving, uh, what has become a ritual here in, in the U.S., of Black Friday shopping? Anybody brave the stores for the doorbuster deals?
1: I'll tell you what I did. Not I guy. live literally 300 yards from Target. So I drove by about 830, about 830. There was 10 people in line. I had my eye on a cheap TV so I could take my main little 32-inch TV and make it into a gaming TV slash if Nathaniel wants to watch a movie while the Dallas Cowboys are playing, I don't have to separate my wife and son. And uh, so I, um, at 1150, because they opened at midnight, I got in the car and drove down there. It took me about two minutes, parked, got in line. Walked inside, got a cart, walked to the back. I said, do you have any of the big cheap TVs left? And they said, we have two of the 40 inches. I said, I'll take one. I went to checkout. And so by 1230, I was watching my new TV at my house. That was my entire Black Friday shopping experience. It lasted from 1150 to
0: 1230. <laughs> and wow. I was
1: done. <laughs> Not bad. I Not bad. So, uh, got a 40-inch uh, TV, 265 bucks, plus 5% off because I used my Target debit card.
2: Nice. Wow. I tried to uh, go online. Newegg had an awesome quote-unquote door buster, but they should have called it a sight buster. Um, They had a (laughs) 10-inch tablet from Toshiba for $199, and I was going to buy it even though I have zero use for it. But um, I finally got the web page to load, and it showed there was one there. And when I clicked add to cart, it was gone. So, and this was like two minutes after midnight.
0: Yeah, I was watching a a television ad for some uh, car dealership. I, I don't remember if it was new or used, but they had you know the their doorbuster deal was you know five dollars for this twenty two thousand eleven Lexus or whatever, and um, down in the fine print on the screen it said four available at this price.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that still doesn't meet the sales ad, Mark. I think I told you about it before, where it's like, you know, a thousand dollar bracelet, fifty percent off original price. Asterisk, bottom right-hand corner, very small. Original price may not have resulted in actual sales.
3: That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> we marked them down as soon as they came out of the factory, but that was their original
1: price. All right, all right everybody, put them out there, and we're going to change the price now. All right. Yeah,
3: no kidding.
0: So how about and Cyber Monday? You guys planning on, on cleaning up online this week? I, I saw that Walmart is calling it uh, Black Week or something. They're doing Black Black Friday all week this week online.
3: Yeah, Yeah. a lot of the sites are doing that. Um, I usually look, but nine times out of ten, I don't buy on Cyber Monday just for the simple fact that it's too early to buy most of that stuff. Yeah,
2: although if you're looking to buy an Xbox 360, Amazon seems to be the best deal. Yeah, you mean homonopie.com
0: slash Amazon?
2: Uh, yes, I was going to mention it at the end, but <laughs> since you beat me to it, um, you can get a, uh, 250 gig Xbox 360 with like Halo Reach and maybe Fable or some other game. So it was like over a hundred dollars cheaper than everywhere else I saw. And you can link to that straight off of our website, com slash Amazon.
0: That's right. And Hey, if anybody, um, can tell me the difference, I'd like to know what the difference is between the new Xbox 360 Elite and the Xbox 360 I have, other than the fact that it's black. Anyone? No, I don't have an Xbox. I couldn't Damn. tell you. Yeah, my Xbox 360 is a few years old, and it's white. And the new one is black.
1: The but new one me. comes. It doesn't have the feature of the Red Ring of Death. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
2: Does yours have a hard drive? Yes. Yes. Okay. The,
1: well, the, maybe the size probably. of the hard drive could be. No, I don't think it is. Actually, I think the uh, deal is that the. The um, Elite has some kind of media connection thing built in, like where it can stream video or something. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? No, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but uh, I think I'll tell they you. They not have
3: that feature, though. No, that's I think not what I'm the, talking about. I'm, I'm double talking. I think the Elite has something like just. It, H-DMI it just has more port. cooling or better cooling. But,
0: yeah, it's, pro- it's probably quieter because my old unit is pretty darn loud. But if anybody wants to buy an Xbox 360 cheap, let me know. Send me an email at mark at Mine has literally uh-huh. not been plugged into the television in the last two years. It's sitting up on a ca- counter, not even plugged in. I just I don't play games anymore.
2: I think it's the, it's got to be the size of the hard drive because it says it can hold a, uh, a whole library of Xbox Live arcade games as well as download TV shows and all that stuff. So I think the original Xboxes, the ones that had hard drives were really small.
0: Okay. Who knows? But now mine hasn't red ringed probably because it has not been plugged in in two years. I was, (laughs) I was never a heavy gamer. I just, it's not my thing. So, uh, I never played with mine enough to get the red ring of death.
1: I actually had mine, but it was under their extended warranty. And so, uh, I uh, sent it in and got it fixed. You know, so I, apparently uh, the elite comes in black instead of white, and it comes with an HDMI cable. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Ooh. And it has a 120 gig hard drive, like Seth to say, instead of the 60 or 60. the 40. Yeah. But you can pop that open
0: and put any standard IDE drive in it, I think. Mm. Or SATA drive, rather. Yeah, and, I'm
3: not sure. I no idea. Yeah. I know. So. Wrong show.
0: Back to uh, everyday Xbox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. I, I just a couple of things for those of you guys who are uh, family men out there. Saw a couple of good family movies this weekend. Uh, my family almost never goes to the movies. And, and uh, uh, this this week we had the whole week off um, from, from work, which is unusual. Uh, but I work for school. And th- this year we got a whole week off because we put some extra time in in the summer. And uh, So naturally, we did nothing until yesterday, uh, since we had the whole <laughs> week off, <laughs> but, but we went to a movie yesterday and today. We saw the Muppet movie. Awesome. If you were ever a fan at all of the Muppets, uh, the new movie is great. It, it really is. It's not like the old Muppet movies where they just sort of um, uh, put them in some freaky situation see what happens. This is the variety show Muppets of old um living in awesome. a they're the same fantasy world where people will be talking one minute and singing the next and nobody seems to notice the difference um and <laughs> cool. Amy Adams I think is my new Mar- uh Marissa Tomei she's she's uh, my latest um on-screen infatuation so she was great in it yeah she's
2: uh, my number one person I would leave everything for is Amy <laughs> Adams
0: and then um the second one I saw today, I hadn't heard anything about it. I just knew that it was animated, and my kids might like it. We went to see Arthur Christmas. Arthur Christmas was awesome. I think it's going to become a Christmas classic. It'll be one of those really? DVDs that I buy and we will watch every year. Actually made me tear up a little at the end.
1: I don't um, even know what it's about. I have no idea.
0: It's about Arthur, who's Santa's son. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. So kind of doesn't now. do anything right. But uh, right. it was really – and I think it was the best – treatment of the whole santa myth in any movie or anything that i've ever seen uh huh. it was uh they didn't he wasn't some magical hundred you know thousand year old elf or whatever it was they were the way to treat it it was as a family of santas and being santa was passed down from generation to generation as was, opposed
1: to falling off the roof and picking up the suit right right
0: you didn't oh, just okay. pick up the suit
1: um so you've obviously never seen the hebrew hammer uh,
0: i'm gonna be ha- glad that i haven't i think uh but no <laughs>
2: it was it was super funny if if you liked undercover brother it does for uh hebrew stuff what undercover brother does for black people uh, it's the only, <laughs> I mean it's the same kind of humor uh, so.
0: oh I'm not even sure how to process that, Seth. So yeah, we'll just I don't look.
3: know if I want to even think that way. Lordy, lordy, Seth's turning 40.
0: <laughs> so let's move on to um, uh, a- Dan Deardorff. Uh, what, what's that about, Seth? Is Dan Deardorff the best NFL announcer?
2: Well, I used to think that Dan Dierdorf was quite possibly the worst NFL announcer in the history of NFL broadcasting. Till I heard Greg Gumbel today <laughs> with him. You know, I mean, I I had to turn off the Patriots-Eagles because it wasn't that exciting to begin with. But to uh, hear Greg Gumbel talk about it, you know, I I thought I was at like a paper folding convention because it was just. <laughs> And uh, that's the only way I can describe it is if you want to think Dan Deerdorf is the best announcer ever, listen to him opposite Greg Gumbel.
0: I always yeah. liked Dan, frankly. He uh, um, he was goofy and, and funny, but well, not yeah. you know, <laughs> um, I always thought it would be great. And, and they never did it because worlds would have collided. But I always thought it would have been great to have um, John Madden and Dan Deerdorf in the same booth. And just have random stories constantly, and have nothing to do with the game, um, and you know, and that would be that would be awesome because I don't need somebody to tell me that it was a pass to the right for nine yards. I can see that it was a pass to the right for nine yards. I always liked it when Madden would just go off about how back in the 18th century when they played football they they put their hat on backwards, and you know, I, I love those kind of stories.
1: Right. That
2: yeah, I nonsense. I just really hate Greg Gumbel announcing television. <laughs> for the NFL. So that was the point I was trying to
0: make. Yeah, Okay. So. Um, I didn't, I didn't watch any football this weekend. Uh, cause my, my two favorite teams, the Cowboys and the, and the, uh, Packers both played on Thursday. So got that out of my system. Um, uh, but I, I was out with my family today, but I, I gotta say, if any of you have the NFL network and watch those games, they really suck in, in production quality and in talent on air compared to abc or 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 cbs uh or nbc they're they're really very bad and i don't understand they're the nfl network right they should be good at this but they're not
2: yeah and if you've ever watched their rebroadcast of games, they'll say stuff like after, you know, they'll pick up action. It will say, after a 56-yard punt return. I'm like thinking, I would have rather have seen right. the 56-yard punt return than the incomplete pass you just showed. Yeah. If you're going to cut stuff, cut the boring stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. Totally agree with you, Mark.
0: Yeah. Um, I just had one comment I wanted to make about spam. Um, uh, my spam has been proliferating lately. I don't know if everybody sees this, or but for me, across all platforms, email, um, and Twitter, and and comment spams on the Elmanope forums. Uh, it there was this one particular spam run, and I you know I was able to trace it to like a dozen different I IP addresses. So it wasn't just one bot; it was at least a distributed thing that were hammering the Elmanope blog comments at a rate of about thirty emails a minute for almost four days straight it was unreal not a single one of them got published they were all caught by the spam filter and dumped but they were just slamming me And the the only thing that was annoying about it is that every time a comment is posted i have it set to send me an email so that i don't miss it and so i was getting 30 emails a minute from the system saying a new comment has been posted of course because i use google and they were all the same email. It would just all get pushed into one little thing with the number 30 beside it. That was kind of nice. Uh, but, you know, it was just crazy. And and I did some Twitter tweeting, Twittering this weekend. And um, the spam there was just going off the hill. And I don't understand. It's, it's word salad, right? It's just this collection of words that may or may not even be in my native language. And then some of them don't even have a link. Or a product. I mean, what what kind of spam is it? What are they trying to accomplish? Even if I was wanting to reply to it, I couldn't because the email address that it was from was bogus, and there was no link in the message.
1: Well, I, I don't uh, understand. I wonder if they, I wonder if they're if they're fishing for um, for red receipts.
0: Yeah, maybe to see if they can find a real uh, email person. Yeah, yeah. But the Twitter thing is the same thing. Is I I, I tweeted about Arthur Christmas, and I got like several tweets back from. Really hot girls for some reason. Uh, Man, they're all really hot girls, and they always say things. Like, you you can be your own Santa. Look for this special deal on an iPad too. And as I was saying before we go on the air, don't ever post a tweet with the word iPad in it because you'll just get slammed for that. But that's I have a great to wonder idea. what what the <laughs> what the recidivism rates on these things are. What the that's not the right word. What the return rates, the rates of return are on these? It's got to be one in every ten thousand. But I guess it doesn't cost them anything, so it's worth it. They're not even using their bandwidth because it's probably a – I mean, in the case of Twitter, they're using Twitter's bandwidth. In the case of email, it's a a botnet somewhere.
2: Well, I mean, Twitter's probably a botnet too for that matter. So, you know, who
1: knows what all those botnets can do. One day well, they'll come together the and form Skynet, well. I mean, I and then know we'll like, buy a T-shirt whoa, 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 about whoa, it whoa, from Last in okay. Nowhere.
0: <laughs> we we have a race condition there, and I'm going to give that one to you. What what was that again?
1: I said one day they'll all come together and become Skynet, and then we'll buy a T-shirt about it from Last Exit to Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what were you saying?
3: Honestly, I've seen a big jump in in Twitter spam a whole lot lately recently. Um, especially after my when I, I Twittered about my wife giving me my Christmas present early. Um, it was just an inundation of Twitter
0: spam. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about your Kindle Fire. That's Linux-ish, um, and you're the only person I know who has one. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Kindle Fire from so far. Uh, I, judging from your comments on Twitter and Facebook, you are treating it as a reader and not as a an Android tablet. Um,
3: right. Um, so far, well, I, it's a little bit of both for me um, since I Currently, all my money is going towards Christmas gifts. I don't have the money to buy said books or other apps, so I've been just sucking up the uh, daily free app from Amazon that they've been giving me. Um, but it's it's one of those things that when you start using it, it's like, wow, this is my new couch, you know, internet thing. When I want to look something up real quick, instead of the little netbook that I have sitting on my counter.
0: I've heard um, some of the early reports about it being really sluggish and, and doesn't perform well. Was was that your experience?
3: The only thing I really see anytime when it slugs down is when I first go to unlock it, the, the unlocking screen, when you let it, when you swipe to unlock, that's a little chunky, but once it gets past that, it seems to be pretty much rock solid. Um, the only thing I, I've, I've, been running with uh, Seismic for my Twitter client on it and email and everything else. Um, it, it works all right. I don't see any sluggishness. And when I opened up the comic book reader and was reading one of the comics that I could get, that was like you know reading a regular book.
0: Yeah, I think maybe one of the issues is people are comparing it to the iPad, which is understandably so. Though they that's sort of the closest thing in the market to compare it to, but,
3: but it's not,
0: but it's not an iPad, it, it's $300 less than an iPad, and to expect the same experience is ludicrous.
3: Well, in that, and it, I, I don't even think of it as a tablet really, it's a gateway to the Amazon stores. Um, and that's what they
0: want you to see it as, absolutely. Yeah,
3: oh, and that's what I and I when I got it, I knew that's what it was going to be. It's going to be literally I got to watch my because it automatically turns on Amazon's one click. So, you got to be really careful about what you're looking at on your Amazon, on the Kindle, because when you click the button to say, "Ooh, I want that, there's no, wait a minute, maybe I don't want this and back out of the shopping cart. It's click bot done that you have to pretty much kind of exercise a little self-control. There's been a couple of times where I was like, oh, I want that app. Oh, wait, it's $17. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and that's the one thing that scares me about that is you're pretty much running the entire web through Amazon, and so they are data mining every piece of information about you. And so that's, that's why I did not buy one initially.
0: Well, you have the option of turning that off. If you don't want it optimized, you can send direct to it. Yeah. You don't have to go through Amazon.
3: Yeah, you could turn off their their the Silk browser's Amazon cache. But when you do that it slows down to the point where it's almost not usable as a web browser. Really? Yeah, at least, and that might be just because of the network I had it hooked to. But, uh, yeah, I, I would leave the Silk browser caching because then you have the, the horsepower of Amazon behind it. Yeah,
2: and that's, you know, and I can say that's it's one of those, yes, you have the option, but is it, it's so bad it's almost not an option.
0: Just a little back channel going on in the chat room right now. Uh, guys are talking about denyhost.sourceforge.net. So if you have uh, apparently an automated way to scan people trying to slam your site and add them to the deny.hosts file, so or hosts.deny, rather, file. So uh, check that out if you're interested. Thought I'd mention that.
3: That's an awesome tool. Um, I use it on all my Linux boxes, even the ones that don't have SSH on it. Because not only will it block um, SSH connections, but you can have it block pretty much anything.
1: Huh. Cool.
0: Yes, Pete. I probably will be stealing that as a tip of the week. Thank you. Calories. Gonna block calories.
3: I don't (laughs) Don't help on my show. Unless it's a Linux calorie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Then it would have to be spelled with a K, right? And a zero instead of an O. Doom three source code published under the GPL. That's. Both cool and kind of creepy, in my
3: opinion. Why is it creepy? I
0: I don't know. It just, it oddly creeps me out to know that such an advanced engine is open sourced. Uh, It just seems odd to me. Like there's got to be another shoe that's going to drop somewhere.
1: It's 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 been been like that for a while. I mean, they, even some of like the other engines, like Unreal and some of those, I think may be some open source of some type because they, they port them out and use them on other games all the time.
3: Well, I know, like, id Software, which is the people who do, who make Doom, they release their, their engines like that all the time. You can but, go back and get the Doom 2 source engine already, and you can do that for the original Doom. They do that after so many years. Right. Um, and that's what, oh, what is it, Alien Arena? I think that's what it is. Alien Arena is done with the Doom 2 source engine. So it's, yeah. it's nothing that they don't do already. It's just, this is the first, you know, it's... The shortest time since Doom 3 has been out that they've been releasing it to open to GPL.
0: Yeah, I didn't have any intellectual reason for it. Just emotionally, it caught me as a little weird.
1: Mark, you know that's who Tommy Tinnery works for now, didn't you?
0: No, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, he's a graphic designer for ID Software. He's actually working on Quake 4, I think. Is that the one that's coming out soon? I don't know. One one of the Quakes. Whatever whatever numeration of Quake that is going to be coming out, or Doom, (laughs) um, whatever their next game is, he's currently working on that. Uh, wow, Kyle Trenovar is a brilliant
0: artist. So,
1: uh, yeah, if you go out and just Google Tom, T-H-O-M as in short for Thomas, Tom T-E-N-E-R-Y and just hit images, you can see a bunch of the landscapes and stuff. He actually started as a musician, had an epiphany about architecture of how buildings were quote unquote composed switched to an architecture major and then from that ended up going into graphic design and because he has a background in architecture he does these incredible landscapes and buildings and things that are pretty incredible, as I just said previously when I used yeah, that adjective. Incredible instance.
0: over and over again.
1: That's the only word
3: I have to go.
0: Humble uh, Indie Bundle, or it's not the Indie Bundle, it's the Humble, what are they calling it, Intro Bundle?
3: Introverse Bundle, yeah. Introverse. That's the newest one of the, the Humble Bundle series. Um, this one has a bunch of games that are, a couple of them are older, um, but they are still some of the best games that I've actually put my fingers in. Um, like uplink darwinia defcon and multiwinia those are all the core of this humble introversion bundle Um a great now as of the show recording there's eight days and 20 hours left um, if you donate more than three dollars and 75 cents you get aquaria and crayon physics as well the nice thing is about this thing like before is that they give a portion of it to charity and either you split it however you want it to split or else they automatically have a, a default split to charity and to, to, and to the developers. Um, according to their website, before this charity or this indie bundle started, they have raised $2.5 million, um for charities which would be the um, Child's Play charity and the um Electronic Frontier Foundation.
0: That's cool. And really uh all of cool. their stuff or at least most of it is cross-platform and interestingly every time they've done one of these bundles the Linux community has com- has contributed more than any other uh platform user. So people who say that Linux users won't pay for stuff uh they're just not right.
3: Yeah, it's totally bunk. But it's it's worth it. I even, even if you don't want the games, you know, come donate to these charities, they're worth it they're probably one of the some of the better charities out there right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's uh that's a good thing to know about. I personally, like I said, not really a gamer. I've never done any of the Humble Bundles, but uh from what I understand they're cool stuff.
3: And this will be my third bundle I've bought from them.
0: All right, guys, anybody have anything else to say before we Oh wait, I skipped the whole news section. The news. Um <laughs> has the luster fallen off ubuntu this is an interesting article uh seth you put that in there
2: yes um it was uh it's just a blog from pingdom the pingdom blog and they were talking about the latest distro watch rankings that ubuntu is not only no longer number one it is now number four and um and uh, so it was just going over some of the reasons and asking you know why and they just wondered is it the Ubuntu interface that is falling off and they talk about that uh they mentioned that like Linux use is is up 21 percent so you know when you're at you go from 1 percent to 1.2 percent I mean that's not a lot but it's still 21 percent increase um but there's a couple of charts on there. It shows that in 2005, Ubuntu had like 11% of the Linux market and it's now down to around four. Um, and one of the, when they plugged in, one of the reasons I think is the fact that even Ubuntu is fracturing. You know, um, there's Kubuntu and a bunch of others. When you put those back in, Linux or Ubuntu is still on top, but even then the usage of it is still declining. And... Like Linux Mint is shooting up, and it looks like it is starting to actually skyrocket. It has reached the point uh, in the Linux community where Ubuntu was. The chart goes back to 2005, so it's the link will be in the show notes, and it just talks about you know the some of the major player distributions in Linux and how they are, what percentage of the Linux world is using what distro. So I just thought it was a uh, an interesting article.
0: And what I find interesting about that is that uh, Mint is Ubuntu. You know, it's Ubuntu with with some uh, stuff added to it and some stuff taken out of it. And uh, the primary difference is the artwork and the lack of, at this point, Unity. So, yeah. if if you're wondering why people would be abandoning Ubuntu and picking up Mint, the single biggest change is Unity and the fact that it's not there.
2: Right. But and if you look at the chart, the the switch had really kind of started before the release of Unity, so it's um, Unity has only accelerated the trend that was there. So it's not like Unity came out and then it tanked. It was like it seemed to be on the downward slide anyway.
0: Yeah, Mint is the one that I uh, recommend to people across the board, and so um, yeah, I, I I my anecdotal experience backs up that graph there.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I've got to say, you know, Ubuntu, they're kind of looking at the tablet has the future of the, uh, computer interface. And on my netbook, Unity rocks. Uh, you know, it's designed, it fits the smaller screen. It's not just a desktop shrunken. Like, um, uh, like if you, if I were to load XP, it would just look like a regular XP screen, just smaller. The, the interface really works for netbooks. And, uh, so, and you know, and of course, the tablet in a lot of ways is lacking that book. Uh, it kind of was going after the same segment to a large extent. So, for their vision, I think they're executing their vision right. I think they need to ask themselves is their vision the right one?
0: Well, I personally think that will shift when when Gnome 3 gets better and uh, when um, Wayland comes into the picture and comes up, of own. I think it may be a while down the street. But I think that people will go back to Ubuntu because it has the backing, and that's the, that's the difference. The Shuttleworth Foundation makes all the difference. And, you know, uh, Mint and, and these other derivatives can't do anything without Ubuntu. So it's always going to be there, even though, you know, its children may outshine it. But it's always going to be there, and there will come a time when it's so good the derivatives won't, have, won't be able to derive
1: I'd recommend people scroll down to the, make sure you scroll all the way down to the very bottom of the article. Cause there's the last graph is kind of the most telling to me. Cause it has the all Ubuntu counts over the last uh, six or seven years, whatever it is, six years. Right. And uh, as opposed to breaking it out, um, just by straight up. And so I know it doesn't say Ubuntu too. I don't know if the other ones are saying all Ubuntu or not. Cause it looks like it's different numbers. Yes, the
2: other ones are only Ubuntu and the bottom one is for all Ubuntu's, all, like right. k and stuff. Um, but it, if you look, it's basically the exact same graph. It just has a higher point. So the downward trend seems to be kind of across
1: the board. Um, well, I, I would beg to differ, Seth. um <laughs> On the one in the middle, Ubuntu just kind of gradually goes down all the way left to right. The one at the bottom, which is what caught my eye, is it stays almost the same, actually goes up a little bit, and then just drops off in the last year and a half, it looks like. Which is kind of what I thought was interesting. And it really it really offsets it compared to Mint on the last graph. But, you know, it's your article. I mean, you can interpret it how you yeah. like. No, I mean, make the numbers no, say what you want, Beth. It's okay. Hey, you can.
2: But, <laughs> I mean, you can't really, I don't know, you can't compare 2005 today. But if you look at the last couple of years, look to 2010, 2011, and now, and then you back up to the other one, that's pretty much the same slope. Um, so that's... uh. Like I say, it just has a higher starting point.
0: All right. So moving right along, um, Seth also wanted to bring our attention to the Linux Foundation credit card. I'm assuming that was Seth who put that in there. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah. I only found out about this today, and I'm I'm not saying I'm getting one, but you know, if you're wanting a way to support Linux, there is a credit card that if you act, activate through it, the Linux foundation gets $50 and then it gets like a little percentage of your purchases as you use it. So, uh, in, basically it's like, instead of using your cash back credit cards, you'll be giving, um, Linux cash credit cards. So, uh, if, if you want to support Linux and you're like, I don't have a lot of extra money, but I would like to support them. It's not like you're paying 50% interest for the privilege of using the card. There's no annual fees. Um, it's just a an average credit card that a proceed, a portion of the proceeds go to the Linux Foundation. So,
0: And if you use credit cards, uh, you probably have some sort of points card or whatever, but uh, that'd be a, a good way to go. I know I have uh, an alumni uh, credit card from my university that a small percentage of all my purchases go there, but I don't use credit cards. So they don't get anything out of me, but uh, the Eleopie like
1: credit card. Yeah,
0: that, that, <laughs> that would be good. Have an elementopie.com credit card. that would be cool. Now for uh, honestly, uh, while we brought that up, uh, uh, we mentioned earlier the Amazon thing. that right now is the very best way to support the network. If you have any interest in doing that, Instead of anytime you're going to go to Amazon, go to elementopi.com slash Amazon. Nothing changes for you. Same prices for you, same catalog, same website. Just a little referrer cookie that says we sent it and we get uh, a little kickback there. So if you're going to do any of your Christmas shopping on uh, on Amazon, please use elementopi.com slash Amazon and support great podcasts like these.
3: Mm-hmm. Like I do. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we finally—I've had that up there for I think five or six months now. We finally hit the the hundred dollar mark, so they send me a check. <laughs> so awesome. it took us six months to reach a hundred dollars. But hey, thanks to you, um, I can pay for my hosting that comes due next month.
3: Sweet,
1: that's awesome. I need to—I need to throw that back up on Facebook periodically. Yeah, especially with the holiday season.
0: And also, if you're interested um, in buying some Element Opie swag for your kids and and your loved ones this year, we have a store, and you can do that. Um, Nice hats and T-shirts and stuff. If you want them to be our walking billboards, we'd appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. Now, having said that, let's move along to the extremely geeky topic of bootloaders. Bootloaders are one of those things that most people are completely unaware of and yet you use it every time you boot your machine. Every OS has a bootloader of some kind. And there are three primary bootloaders uh, in the Linux world. I thought we would take a minute to uh, explain or at least mention each of them, and and I'll tell you a little later on why this show topic came about, actually. But uh, for those who are new to Linux and new to the whole um, world of tweaking things yourself. But really, this is all about do it yourself, right? If you're if you're an appliance guy, if you want a toaster instead of a computer, you don't care anything about bootloaders, but then you're probably not using Linux anyway. So,
3: um So, are we going to go from the most commonly used to the least commonly or the other way around?
0: Uh, I thought we'd go alphabetically. Uh, huh? <laughs> in 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 descending order. Actually, I, I don't know. Uh, I have them uh in in order of uh oldest to newest is what I've got right now. Ah. Okay. Um, so the first one that I thought I'd mention is Lilo or Lilo. I, I've never actually seen a definitive description of that, but Lilo is uh, uh, stands for Linux Loader, L I L O, and it's probably the first b- Linux bootloader. And uh, it uh, doesn't depend on any kind of specific file system. It can live pretty much uh, on anything. It can work on a floppy disk or a hard disk or um, all sorts of this, different things you can pick up to uh, uh, up to sixteen different OSs to load or partitions to load in any, any one port point in time, um, and it is configured through the lilo.conf file, which is usually in at etc. Dot and you're probably not going to see that anymore. Not many people no. use that, uh, largely because it is having a hard time keeping up with uh, ever-expanding hard drives.
3: I think there's a size limitation to Lilo, too, isn't there? Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> Pete in the chat room says that Lilo plus Vi equals <laughs> Edlin Love. You have to be a real geek to understand that sentence. <laughs> but, yeah, if you like to. Uh, and that that's uh, uh, in Windows the bootloader is called boot.ini and actually they've hidden it in windows 7 it's yeah. it's not there anymore but in in previous versions of it uh mac anybody know what it is on the mac os i don't no it's
2: it's you prob- don't need it on the mac because those machines are indestructible and never have any errors of it's any probably kind
0: probably locked away behind some double encrypted super secret partition uh so anyway I've, i'm not going to spend a lot of time on lilo because Nobody uses it anymore, but that, that it was just sort of there for hysterical, hysterical historical purposes. <laughs> um, and the next one, the one that is probably the most commonly used right now, but that is phasing out is GRUB.
3: Yep.
0: And GRUB, um, I don't know that it it stands for Grand Unified Bootloader, but I think that's one of those things that they came up with later. They liked the name GRUB, and then they figured they had to have something for it to stand for. <laughs> uh, a backronym, as it is.
2: Yeah, you've you've got to stand for something, or you'll fall for anything. Thank
0: you, Mark Twain. Um, so, uh, grub is the most common, or was the most common. It's it's, it's probably still out there on most uh, uh, distributions. Uh, probably three years old or older. Yeah,
3: I would and, say it's probably in the older versions of any any Linux distribution. Most of them, you know, I think as of this year, I think. Most of them are all now Grub 2. Right. Um, um,
2: puppy War a uh, wary Puppy the one for older hardware. I know it still uses just Grub.
0: Right. And Grub 2 is is in the process. They want to supplant Grub with Grub 2 uh, because it can handle. Oh, what is it? Up to a petabyte of of data. I mean, it's huge. It can it can handle hard drives way out there. It can also handle the newer. OSs, uh, ZFS and butter. Uh, I mean, not OSs, but file systems, ZFS and butter FS and those sort of things. And and Grub handles pretty much e, just EXT2 and three and and the the common ones that are out there right now. But that's you know they're the common ones. That's what everybody's using. And and when you might see a bootloader, really kind of the only reason you would would see a bootloader is if you have um, more than one OS on your machine. If you're a dual booter, um, like. Uh, most of us here are if you've got a Windows machine that you put Linux on, um, you had to to do something you you get a screen that pops up and lets you choose when you first come on and it's got the default um, uh, choice that it goes to after I think thirty seconds is, is the default, but I always crank that down to like two seconds because I don't want to <laughs> wait 30 seconds. Um,
3: I think most people do
0: right and the the what started this whole topic, is I upgraded my laptop just doing a rolling upgrade to the latest Ubuntu, and it rolled to Grub 2, and I I had you know kernel updates. Anytime you get a kernel update in Linux, it gets thrown into Grub, and so the screen had like was scrolling off, and I wanted to to boot to Windows to do something specific, and I had to scroll down literally off the screen to get to the Windows thing. I thought, well, I need to clean out these old uh, kernel lines, and with Grub, you would just open up etc.grub slash, uh, slash grub or whatever. Wait, who is it? Help me. I'm just blanking. Where does it usually live? Uh, boot slash grub dot menu. Yeah. That's it. Slash boot slash grub dot M-M-N-U. And you go in there and you just delete the ones you don't want. And grub 2, on the other hand, doesn't work that way. You have to use a tool to rebuild the the loader. There's not a, as far as I can tell, there's not a clear text way to get to it. So, for example, if you're on Ubuntu, you have to go to the software center and load um, the startup manager, which is a GUI thing. And then you go in there and you pick what you want to do. or or uh, and, and that doesn't even get rid of the kernels. The only way to get rid of the kernels is to actually remove them from your system. So you have to go through the, the thing and type, um, like, if it's 2.6.1, you've got to type, you search for 2.6.1 and find that one individually and remove it. So it's really a pain. It used to be a lot easier back in the days when you could just open it with a text editor. And so that's what I started they, this whole thing.
3: Yeah, I wonder if they did that though, is to help alleviate the need to use a men uh, the whole text menus. Because I know a lot of times if you don't know what you're doing, you could really hose your system by editing a, a menu like that.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, what what things in Linux can't you hose your system by editing? I mean, you know, pick something. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's a good point.
0: <laughs> so it, it definitely is a use-at-your-own-risk sort of thing, and by moving to the GUI, you know, it's the Macification of things. It's it's making things, quote-unquote, easier by making them obscure. Um, and so that's, that's what it does. It, it, it's not easier if you want to go in there and uh, remove the kernels. Now it's a whole lot harder. It's a multi-step process, but because it's a GUI process, for some reason that's supposed to be easier.
2: Yeah, and certain times you need to like if you want to install the if you want to install some versions of Puppy to the hard drive instead of run off of a live CD or USB, the only way to do that is to manually edit the um, the um, the bootloader. So you know you've got to go into Grub there and do it manually. And coming from the GUI kid, not fun. So uh,
0: yeah, uh, my wife's laptop was down for an extended period of time, so I let her use mine which was a dual boot Linux Windows, and I wanted to change the default from Linux to Windows so that it was an environment she was more comfortable with. And what in using Lilo or Grub2 would have been a, I don't know, five-second process took, took me 15 minutes. Of course, 10 of that was figuring out how to do it now because it's not documented <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Um, and then, the, you know, then I actually had to go and do it. And so all I wanted to do was go in there and just change the the default os and the default time and and it was it was really hard to do that. Now, and I understand that that's a fringe sort of thing to do. The dual booting is still pretty unusual and and the Linux guys out there are really shooting for grandma. They're trying to get to the the appliance mentality or the tablet mentality as we've talked about before. But I think, you know, they're they're really alienating their base every time they do this sort of stuff. Don't you think?
3: Oh yeah. But in well, the same note, they're trying to get more desktop uh people so the only way they can do that is by breaking into that market and and by making things more of an appliance.
0: And so uh oh, could, yeah. go ahead. Go sir. ahead Noah. Go ahead, Seth.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, well, you know, and unfortunately the only way to get more of a desktop, you know, if only mechanics could work on cars, or you know, if everybody can work on cars, nobody's gonna own them. But now because mechanics do everything, everybody has a car because they're Easier to drive, but they're harder to work.
0: Okay, I'm not really sure I'm following that analogy, but I'll go with it. <laughs> um, Chris, uh, do you have to massage your boot loader often? Wow, that sounded so dirty. How often do you massage your boot loader, Chris? <laughs> there's, your, there's our show title <laughs> right there. <laughs> when he doesn't have pants on. massage.
3: <laughs> <you laughs> uh, no, the only time I've ever had to actually go in and change anything on, on my boot loader Is it when I loaded a bad kernel and had to back up to a different one?
0: Bad kernel. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's a good thing that the uh, kernel updates always, by default, will leave the old kernels on there so you can always just roll back to them, which is handy, but that creates the problem that I had where you can have 32 kernels on there because you've been rolling updates for a long time and you don't, as Chris says, nuke and pave often
3: enough. Well, another good reason, nuke and pave every nine months. (laughs)
0: welcome to Everyday linux have you massaged your bootloader today uh nice Uh, so some tools that you could use if you need to
1: massage your bootloader Um, i'm here for color commentary and i don't even know what to say
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's the wrong color huh
0: that's funny. He's just shaking his head. He doesn't have any ideas. It's not often Aaron is rendered speechless, but uh, that did it.
1: Well, any place that I could go, I don't want it.
0: <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, so anyway, moving right along, uh, some of the tools that you might want to use should you need to make changes to your bootloader. Um, uh there's some things you might want to do, like removing the old kernel or changing the default OS. And so I polled the guys here when we were putting together the notes for the show about what your favorite tool is. And Seth, tell them what your favorite tool is. I think that's the great one
2: G part N. <laughs>
0: just just nuke the whole thing just wipe the whole partition and then you won't have any uh, boot editing uh, loading problems
2: you know when i go to install when i go to reinstall or install a different linux or whatever i don't i don't mess around i just i wipe it and i start over i'm not even going to take the chance
1: it's free why not <laughs>
2: well you know i want to be able to walk through the process of doing it just so i can kind of comment on it later on that that's what i'll go with
0: yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, and honestly, that really is the best way to do it. And if you uh, have followed our advice uh, that we've done early on and put your home on a separate partition, you can do that over and over and only have really minor annoyances, which is, you know, you got to go and, and like install the programs but all your settings and everything will be there. Yeah. That really is the best way to do it. Uh, but there is a tool uh, that I can recommend called Super Grub Disk. I've uh, only used it once. But uh, Super Grub Disk um, will boot into pretty much any system, and it will let you fix or rebuild a uh, boot system. So it's a bootable um, disk that you, you know, um, floppy or, or USB or CD or whatever. Uh, you, you set up a bootable disk. You run this thing, and, and it has utilities on it to fix your uh, Grub Disk uh, or to fix um, your... Uh, uh kernels or, or to even it says it'll even blank out a Windows password. Hey while you're there, if you just want to wipe out security, we can go ahead and do that too. Uh but uh that's a, a a cool tool. Have you ever used that one, Chris?
3: The super grub disc, yeah I use yeah. it all the time.
0: Yeah. And so what sort of things do you do with it?
3: Uh well when I was playing with well, maybe you're between massaging Grub your and Grub2. Uh, yeah, besides massaging the bootloader. Um when I was playing with trying to get used to Grub2, I had it on hand in case I hosed my bootloader and it was nice to be able to know that I could recover myself that way um, because going from grub one to grub two took a lot of getting used to
0: okay um, I, yeah, and and I think that's one of those things they don't want you to get used to I think that, that's the, the Linux community is saying, all right, enough with messing with your bootloaders. Just don't. Just trust us on this thing. We'll handle it. You handle the, the GUI from then on.
3: Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's actually a good thing to go. I mean, honestly, unless you're, and even when you are dual boot, it actually, in the beginning, it asks you how to set things up. You really shouldn't have to monkey with a bootloader.
1: Yeah. Let's say don't have a drag and drop. GUI front end for your registry in Windows. <laughs>
3: oh know? God, that would be horrible.
1: <laughs> that would be a great thing to design. Yeah,
2: I am being so good. Y'all don't even understand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, and and unless you know what you're doing in, to using the registry, unless you absolutely know what you're doing, you shouldn't be. And so, I guess that's the same as true for bootloaders. It's not a place for amateurs. Yeah. All right, well that's really all I had to say. It was more of a a gripe session and an introduction to um you can't really change your bootloader. I mean, it, it, whatever Linux you pick is going to have a bootloader and that's kind of it. I mean, you can change it, but it's really it's that's even more wow. dangerous. That's nuclear at that point. So, um yeah. uh it's it's one of those things that you you're not really if you're if you're using something that has grub uh, or Grub 2, you can't really do anything about it. I just thought I want, wanted to introduce our listeners. You know, we we all, often say this show is uh, aimed at the novice listeners who may not even know that there is such a thing as a bootloader. You know, they, they they see it every day or every time they reboot, but don't really know about it. So I thought I'd mention it in a, in a couple of ways to go about it. Um, I'll put some links in the show notes when we publish this uh, with descriptions of each of the major bootloaders and some of the uh, fundamentals of of how to do things if you want to uh, but super grub disc is a great tool um if you ever need to mess with something that's probably going to be uh, my go-to recommendation
3: yeah that'd be the first tool i'd hand anybody that has a busted bootloader
0: yeah or G um, parted. that's a great tool too <laughs> just wipe the whole thing all together christopher do we have a command line tip of the week
3: I was going to do a command line tip for this week, but instead, I figured I'd point everyone to a site for learning more about how to ma- monkey with your Grub 2 bootloading session. Um, the link is sitting here in the show notes, and I'm not going to read it out because it's too long. But it gives you a lot of different ways to use your Grub 2 and how to f- how to manipulate it without the GUI front end. So it, it's, it is geeky. And it's not for the faint of heart. So if you're not a GUI, if you're a GUI guy, you probably won't need to learn any of this. But it's a nice site. It actually tells you how to do if you want to um, change the way your system set up to boot. If you have a multiple hard drive system, multiple partitions, it, it's just a nice thing that it, he walks you through a nice, good. You know, this is how we're going to monkey with your gr- your grub too, This is how we're going to add something new, and this is how we're going to take something away. So, there's a lot of command line tips, and you can do it all without a GUI in it at all. So, take a look. Um, links are in the show notes and try not to kill your system.
0: So, if you need to get your grub on, ooh, bad boy. Um, there's the ouch. tool for it. <laughs>
2: get your so, grub on and not get GUI.
0: Yeah, oh, ow.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I I tried to stop myself, and I was unable to do so.
0: That was not only a pun. It was punishing. I had
1: a a simultaneously inward and outward cringe. (laughs) (laughs) So, Seth, what is our
0: end user tip of the week?
2: Well, first I wanted to follow up with last week when I told everyone about Juice. I went to install it on my Windows 7 machine because I was looking for one that I could be familiar with the same interface across multiple platforms, and it only works on 2000 and XP. They don't have a Vista or 7 client, so I ditched it, and I went with Chris's option of Miro, and I will let people know how that goes um, <laughs> uh, From um, as I use it more in the future. But I wanted to throw two uh, end-user tips out there. If you want to keep up with the command line Godfather, I have a – Linux Unix command reference PDF that you can view online. It's at makeuseof.com and it just has a bunch of different commands and like a one little, uh, phrase blur about what they do. Um, whether you want file commands, compression commands, installation, SSH, shortcut searching, tons of stuff in there. Lots of different command lines. And if you work with Android apps and you want to, um, you want to, around with your photos, you know, um, how you can do through Facebook or with an iPhone or whatever. I found an article that reviews several photo tools for Android that are all free. And those links will be in our show notes as well. And you can take a look at those. I don't have an Android phone. So this is more just for our users because Android is a very popular, uh, phone OS that you can take a look at it and you can do cool little, um, whatever with your phones. I'm not a big picture taker either. So again, it's not something I would use, but I'm not normal in that respect. So hopefully our users will get a lot of use out of them.
0: Let me save you a little bit of time uh, perusing over this list. I have used almost all of those and go with Photoshop express. It's the best of all of them. Just don't even try the others.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's Mark's master of all things on the interwebs tip of the week. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, just a uh a, a aspiring photo geek. Um that's the one that I think has the the best features and uh, works the best. Uh anything else guys before we um wrap up for the show?
3: No, I think I'm good. All
0: right. Well, I'll just let you know that if you want to find out more about these guys or this show or any of the other shows that we have on the Element OP network, the place to do that is elementop.com. Join the forums, uh, say howdy, and we will say howdy back. And uh, we can share some ideas, and um, you can tell us how you like to massage your bootloader. Um, and uh, if you want to follow us on the old, whole social networking thing, Element OP, uh, Twitter.com slash Element OP, Facebook.com slash Element OP, Google Plus search Element OP. Or if you want to give us a phone call, leave us a message, and we can broadcast your dulcet tones along the interwebs. You could do that at 559 i am OP. am OP. There we go. I was waiting for that. 559 uh, IMOB, or if you don't even want to dial any buttons, or maybe if you're uh, working on a mobile device, uh, maybe you're driving. No, wait, don't do it while you're driving. Uh, but you can go to our website and there's a call us widget where all you got to do is enter your phone number and Google Voice will call you. You're, if you're that lazy, you don't even want to dial a number, you can do that.
2: Well, I have done, I have used that before uh, when I've called into uh, the other, uh, I think I've only called into the tight white tech, but. It's really very cool. I. It's just kind of cool to have it call me, um, because it was just easier, and so yeah, it's very easy, guys. You don't have to. Don't fear the technology.
0: <laughs> yeah, because listeners of this show are all techno uh, phobes for sure.
2: Well, you know they're probably the tin foil hat guys,
1: and uh, <laughs> so they're more okay. afraid of being taken over by technology as opposed to afraid to use it. Right.
0: Skynet is upon us. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap this up and say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.